from the Bibbs Music Room. I'm your host, Bibbs, and here we're going to talk about music, inspiration, life, and everything in between. Now, here we go in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's installment. Uh, today, we are joined with Melody. Hello, Melody. Hello, Maggie. How are you? I'm doing great. Can you give us just a brief synopsis of who you are, a little bit of your background? We'll get in more deeper later, but just give us a little bit of who you are. Absolutely. Well, I'm a local musician in the Lehigh Valley, and I've been performing for... It's hard to say. I mean, you could either say 20 years or seven years, depending how you look at it. I first started singing when I was three. Um, my mom and my grandfather, they had this band called Los Paisanos, and they played at Music Fest, so I hopped on stage with them. And ever since then, I kind of idolized my mom, and I just wanted to be exactly like her. So I just have been singing my whole life and then when I turned about 16 I started playing in some bars and restaurants in the area and then you know I moved up to doing a few festivals and a few arts quests collaborations and things like that so I mean that's me that's pretty much my background but I'm sure we'll get deeper into yeah, it of yeah of course um so what kind of stuff do you play what's your style that you'd say is current your current style well I guess I do say I'm a pop artist at the end of the day, but I do try to cover a lot of different genres, especially because I play a lot for people in bars and restaurants. And I mean, there's all different kinds of people that are there and everyone has a different style of music they like. So that is something I am, I don't want to say struggling with, but it's something that I feel like I almost have two musical personalities. One's the cover artist that wants to sing a song that everyone will enjoy when I'm out and about. But I also try to figure out what I, what kind of music I want to make. So when it comes to music I want to make, I will say I'm more of a singer-songwriter vibe, maybe a little folky, mm-hmm. but also with a pop influence. But when I'm singing out at different bars and restaurants, I sing a lot of decade, you know, popular songs from different decades, 80s, 90s, 2000s, a lot of pop, some rock, some country. So I will say it's all over the place, um, but that's just kind of accurate to how it is. Yeah. I've, we've heard that before with, um, especially with singer-songwriters, that kind of challenge with, like, wanting to play what people like, um, but also, like, wanting to experiment. But experimental music isn't always going to pop off right away, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially if it's, like, a niche genre that hasn't been totally tapped into yet, you know? It's definitely hard to find that balance. Um, have you experimented with your style when playing out in shows and how have you how has that style been received by the audience I definitely have I mean I will say if it's a slower night and there's not a lot of people around I do feel more comfortable experimenting in that way because you know when there's a big crowd I do try to keep it top 40 but I have experienced experimented I have experimented and in doing so I've had mixed mixed reception I mean a lot of the people that are actually tuned into me when I'm playing are my family and my friends. So they've heard a lot of my stuff before, but I've have I have had a few people come up to me and say, "Oh, was that your original song? You know, I, I really liked that." I did have a performance at Music Fest last year where I sang one of my originals, and there was a lady who started singing along to it in the audience, and I was blown away because I was like, "How does she know this?" And it turns out she actually listened to it on Spotify. 
before seeing me, which I th- I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was like almost a life changing moment. Yeah. I actually wrote about that on my website, and mm-hmm. I saw her again in the future, and I was like, I just want you to know, I never forgot that because yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, mixed reception. Sometimes mm-hmm. you don't really get a response if you sing an original song because people don't know it; they're yeah. not tuned in. Mm-hmm. But when they do listen, I've gotten positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Music Press is such a great platform to either like put yourself out there or like I know last year uh, when we went to Music Fest, we found so many different artists like that one Spanish lady. Do you oh remember her name? Oh my goodness. Um, she just captivated the stage and we're like, I, I we can't don't remember know her what name. she's singing, but it was. Yeah, she was wearing like um, very loose like floral pattern like shirt and pants. She I had like a I big afro. Was. She had like a big afro. Uh, she played bu- guitar. You bought a shirt from her, so yeah, I bought one of her shirts, and then yeah. she actually messaged me saying thank you for like buying like merch. Oh, how so nice. I think I was, I was like the only person that bought her merch. Mm-hmm. Wow, the only per- that's wow. Yeah, and then we also found this other band, um, but they never said their name during the whole show. Oh come well, on, you gotta say your it? name. Oh, oh was it like the the funk cover yeah, band? Yeah. Oh yeah, there was and a, they were so good. Was there like a, a funk like a funk rock cover band? And they were so good, yeah. but they, they never said their name at any point in the set. Was it a lot of people on stage? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it was Start Making Sense. Because I know a band that is like a funk rock cover band. I, I know Start Making Sense. Okay. Um, so maybe it wasn't them. It, it was not them. Cause I, I know like a handful of members yeah, in that band. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're a very good band, by the way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we even yeah, tried yeah. to find it like on the Music Fest like, website. Where, like, yeah, we couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Say your name. I know. <laughs> I know. Um. But, so you you said you played Music Fest when you were, like, three years old, or, like, your family did. Yeah, I, I joined on stage for, like, one song, mm-hmm. and my mom held the mic for me, and I was like, Los Boitos yeah. <laughs> Like, just little, like, nursery rhymes. Yeah. But I did. I mean, that was my first little taste, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of – I mean, after that, another example of kind of young playing was – my family would go to Ocean City, Maryland every year. And um, have you guys been to Ocean City, Maryland? I have, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the performers on the boardwalk? Yeah. There's people that do, like, stat- like they pretend to be a statue or something, mm-hmm. and then there's buskers. So my dad got me a little license. I actually found it the other day. I took a picture of it and put it <laughs> on my Instagram because it was cute. And it was just, like, Ocean City, Maryland street performer. And I would sing on the boardwalk every year. And it would draw on a crowd because, I mean, I had my little pink guitar and I was this little kid. So it was kind of a spectacle, just that in and of itself. Yeah. Like, there's a kid on the boardwalk with a pink guitar singing and people would swarm and crowd around. Yeah. I don't think I was that good at that age, to be honest with you. But I think it was just people were curious about it. Yeah. But that also kind of brought me out of my shell as far as being comfortable doing that. Right. And, you know, my parents would always push me to be like, sing louder. They can't hear you in the back. And just... You know, so that also furthered my taste for wanting to perform in front of people. I feel like when you hear about, like, a young musician, especially with, like, a musical family background, I feel like we're always pushed to do, like, American Idol or America's Got Talent. Or Was that ever pushed for you? Or, like, how did your family push you to do maybe expand into other things? Well, when you talk about American Idol, I mean, how much time do we have? I know we said we only have an hour and a half. No, I mean... (laughs) No, <laughs> I'll, I mean, do you want to go into American of Idol course. a little bit? Oh, my God. Is there a story time or something? There's there's <laughs> a little bit of story times here with this show. I mean, 
I've okay, so all of those singing shows, American Idol, The Voice. I think I tried out for the America's Got Talent once. Mm-hmm. If you combine all the times that I've tried out for those shows, it's over twelve. I think it's like thirteen, fourteen. If you put them all into one thing, tried out so many times. But I will say this: my dad, probably my number one supporter, besides my mom, because I know she's gonna be listening to this. No, I'm kidding. They're both they both support me so much. But my dad would come every single time that I auditioned when I was a teenager he would stand in line with me sometimes it was 12 hours of just waiting in the heat or the cold or just in a hard chair but he was there with me every single time um but I never got past the first round when I was a teenager um the one time they gave me a maybe Mm -hmm. which meant they were like all right give me your phone number and we'll call you later in the day if you if we pick you over this other girl and then I was I was like looking and they were like we'll call you by five o'clock and I'm like it's 459 maybe they'll still call but they didn't you know what I mean I was just it was hard but then when I got older actually this past year probably I shouldn't say which one of them if I keep it ambiguous I won't get in trouble so it's fine one of those shows um I um went through and I actually got through three rounds of callbacks it was the most that i ever got through and this time it was an online audition because they were kind of done doing the cattle calls in person which thank god to be honest with you and i literally sent the video in kind of almost as a joke because i've been roasted so many times by the show like not getting through Mm -hmm. my sister sent it to me and she's like oh it'll take you 10 minutes you can just do it down in the basement i'm like why not so then i got through the first callback and i'm like oh shit like you know what I mean like this could actually be something so then I they asked me to do all this I had to like put all these videos together I had to take all these pictures I had to send them more singing videos I had to write like a a whole life book on not like a book literally but just a huge page on myself about everything in my life took days sent it in I got another call back this time I did a recorded zoom interview with the producer and then after that happened Nope, it didn't get through after all that. I can't imagine them doing that whole process with, what, hundreds and hundreds of people, you know? Probably thousands. Probably thousands. That's insane. And it's weird because, like, you see some of the people. My dad loves watching American Idol. And you'll just hear him, like, (laughs) if you knew my dad, it's so funny, like, seeing him watch American Idol and he's just like screaming at the TV like oh my gosh they're terrible why are they <laughs> clapping what the heck um, and my dad has like no musical knowledge at all <laughs> um, but see sometimes the, the opinions from people who aren't music heads can be interesting because they're completely unbiased yeah. you know what I mean is, yeah. yeah but um, yeah some of the people they have on obviously it's just for that entertainment factor the story you know? yeah yeah it's I, all about the freaking story. story, especially. And part of it's like, yeah, I think it's important to, like, highlight, especially on, like, a big platform, like, perseverance, you know, and, like, yeah, um, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, like, it's a singing competition, and, like, that should be the yeah. main focus. They were know? so – those shows were so much better in the first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about the winners back then, like, Kelly Clarkson, mm-hmm. Carrie Underwood, they could all actually sing. And they didn't really have this crazy story. It was just like, oh, we're from a small town, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that could have been my story, literally, yeah. you know. But that, I think, is what it came down to at the end of the day was I didn't have that tragic backstory. 
Because in reality, I mean, compared to some of the people on there who are like, oh, you know, like, I, like, everyone in my family died in, like, a horrible accident or whatever their story is, mm-hmm. it's like, I can't compete with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, thankfully, I'm not saying I, I wish that, but yeah. it's like, I don't know, I feel like you almost need that nowadays yeah. to yeah. get on there. But also, like, all of those beginning winners of the um, series, like, you know all of them by name. I could not tell you probably the past five years who no. who's won American Idol. No. I have no idea. So at the same time, I feel like it doesn't give you as much of a platform winning as it probably used to do. No. And it's funny because um, one of the winners, David Cook, who he won like years and years. Was and that years the year ago. of David Archuleta? What was that? Was that the year when David Archuleta was on? I believe so. Or yeah, because uh, I thought there were two Davids. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually went on, like, after he won, he played at Music Fest. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. So it's funny how, like, he played at Music Fest, and we've already played at Music Fest. True. You know, so. True. There's always. I know. I it, It's interesting. That's the thing, is I feel like you could, as a musician, you could win some big contest like mm-hmm. that, or something crazy like that could happen to you, and yet you still might not actually be in that different of a position than mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a non-linear journey. Mm-hmm. I find that. I mean, yeah. I've had performances. I, the most people I performed in front of was like a thousand people with, with um, this band called The Audiophiles one time. And it was such an amazing night. Felt so much energy. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're playing in front of a thousand people. And then a week later, I was back to playing at like an empty bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. it's just yeah, I've, wild. Yeah. I've, I've gone from like changes like that. Like it's, it's almost like watching the stock market. It's like <laughs> yeah. so many people didn't like know people like. I think the, I don't know, the most amount of people I've played in front of was probably, like, around, like, a, a thousand, maybe a little bit less. But, like, it wasn't, like, my own stuff. It was for um, a school concert when I was in high school. Interesting. So, like, with, like, a full auditorium, like, there's, like, roughly, like, a thousand or so people in there. And then, yeah, with my own, like, like with my very first band, like, we played in front of, like, three, four people at, like, a house party. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, between, the, like, those two, like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, a variety for what you have to play before you really start like gaining like a lot of traction and stuff i know and it's even like i feel like even when you start gaining that traction if you could let's say you have like one show that you really need people to come out to or want people to come out to and you get them to come out and then you have shows the next weekend that are at like a smaller scale it's hard to get them to want to come to those mm-hmm. you know what yeah. i mean because yeah. and also for some people especially nowadays i mean like the economy sucks like just honestly and people don't have the disposable income that I feel like they used to do fun things. Mm-hmm. So to ask people, truly, like I think about this all the time, to ask people to leave their house, to go out so they spend money on drinks and food and gas and figuring out where to park and mm-hmm. all this to come and see music and listen, it is a lot to ask, you know. And I'm I I think about that when yeah. I when I get frustrated, you know, because I, I try not to, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's just. As a human, it's impossible to not have those negative feelings sometimes. But when I get frustrated, I'm like, I wish I had more people here or whatever. I try to put it into perspective with myself. Like, it is asking a lot of people. And it's hard. It's it's hard. You know, I I try not to – I try to just be grateful for what's there. But, of course, as an artist, you know, you kind of always want more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Something that kind of helps me with, like, um, getting through the not many people showing up is, like, I kind of like that at the same, like, I, I don't like it, but I also like it. It's, like, I like it because it feels a lot more intimate. You get to, like, meet the people and, like, really talk to them and get to know them afterwards. 
if there's a room of 100 people, you might talk to, like, five people. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I do love – sometimes, honestly, I do – it's going to sound hypocritical what I just said, but I do sometimes prefer those smaller crowds because you you are right. Like, you can actually talk to those people. And, I mean, I'm yeah. sure that you've experienced people come up and say, like – oh, my God, I was having a horrible day, and then you guys just made me feel so happy, like, with this song that you played, mm-hmm. or, you know, you brought a tear to my eye, or, like, those stories, they truly make a difference. I, I can actually think of one time I was playing at the art gallery in Banana Factory, and I don't remember what event they were having, but there was, like, almost nobody there. It was pretty much an empty room I was playing to, and I was, like, it was one of those experimental times where I could throw in some of my own songs mm-hmm. and whatever, and there was one lady, like, sitting on the windowsill or whatever, listening in that room. And she comes up to me at the end, and she was just like, oh, my daughter um, just, like, entered rehab today. And, like, listening to you sing, like, just made the day so much easier. And, like, she gave me a hug. She's like, can I give you a hug? And she was, like, crying. And, like, to be honest, I remember that performance for basically that one person more mm-hmm. than sometimes if there was, like, 100 people at any given place, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It really does matter about the quality rather than the quantity mm-hmm. sometimes. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah, I could see that. It's also like um, I feel like it's different when you're going, say, to like a bar or restaurant and playing where it's sometimes could just be like background music, you know. It's hard to get that full exposure. Absolutely. Or when you're like playing a show for someone to come and see you, you know. Absolutely. I mean – that's kind of the thing too. It's it's interesting because I'm so used to at this point kind of being background music mm-hmm. that sometimes I get a little bit thrown off when I am the main focus at an event. You know, like mm-hmm. I know it's hard. It's like that's what I want. Like all I in my wildest dreams I want to be the main focus of any given event, but sometimes like when people actually start to tune into me when I'm playing, I'm like Oh, my God. And I, like, look at the next couple songs that I have ready. I'm like, are these going to keep them engaged? Because I almost feel like, and I hate to compare it to, like, social media, but that's where we are today. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's almost like when people finally tune into me, it's like trying to get them to not, like, scroll away from me on TikTok. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, okay, they're looking. How do I keep their attention? And then, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to do my most well-known songs. Like, I'll throw in, like, Sweet Caroline, Don't Stop Believing," Mm -hmm. all these, like, you know, big party songs back to back to back. And then... Um, if I try to move into something a little bit different, sometimes they come with me and sometimes I lose half of them. And I'm like, ah, you know, so it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that you were in a band, right? Or- yeah. I mean, technically I wasn't in it in the band, but I collaborated with the band mm-hmm. a lot. Like they they're talking about the audio files. Yeah. Yeah. So the audio files and I like they're their own band. And I just kind of we did a bunch of performances together. So we would always either do it like. The Audio Files and Melody Cruz, or Melody Cruz and The Audio Files. Um, we actually do have a performance c- coming up in August at Rock the Walk in Allentown. I think it's August 24th from 6 to 9. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we had some great, some, some great times, and we still collaborate. And I will say that was my first experience really playing in a band setting like that, yeah. you know, and it was totally different. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about, you know, being a solo artist. You know, you kind of have your own concept and you can pretty much do whatever you want. How is it now or when you do work with a band? Do you 
is there something you prefer? Do you like the band aspect? Would you ever want to be in a band? Definitely. I mean, so I will say there are definitely settings where I love playing solo, but then mm-hmm. there's settings where I would absolutely prefer to, to play with a band. I would say in the, in the bar and restaurant setting, solo, I really do prefer because it's a little more, it's easier to kind of be in the background a lot of times. I mean, I don't know about with your band, but like, um, sometimes they'll they'll complain like, oh, can you turn the volume down or whatever. I even get yeah, that as a solo band. artist. Yeah. It's yeah, very I've, loud band. <laughs> you typically yeah, like the my, loudest My band, yeah, usually with the loudest of like, if we're playing with other people, usually we're like the loudest of all of them. But um, we've, for the, the first time I played a show with, with my current band, um, we got the venue temporarily shut down because it was too loud. What? Like they made everyone go home? They didn't make everybody go home, but everybody had to stop playing music. What the heck? Oh, my we were, God. We were too loud. We were also playing outside. Outside? Then how – what do they expect? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the heck? It was a very oh. fun show, though. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that was fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a solo artist, it's a little easier to keep the volume, especially if it's yeah. indoors, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. It's a little easier to control the volume. You can also kind of – like we were talking about with that experimental feel, if it's mm-hmm. kind of just low key, you can kind of, you don't, you can throw in an extra chorus here or there, and you don't have to worry about throwing anybody else off. Yeah. But if it is outdoors, or if it's for a festival, or something where there are more people and you're trying to get more people's attention, I feel like the band is just so much better to, I guess, kind of draw people in. I mean, when you have those drums thumping, you have that bass line going, the electric guitars, like. It just more, it takes music to a more, I feel like, cinematic level to be in a live band like that. And I love that feeling. Mm -hmm. I love that feeling. I mean, I played with the audiophiles. I actually played with this band called Bunch of Funk in um, the Reading Jazz Festival in March. They were amazing to play with. And I actually am working with these two other guys now. We don't really have a, a, a name set for us. We're kind of thinking like Melody Cruise Trio or... Even just using Melody Cruise and having them play. I'm playing with them at Music Fest this year, though. Okay. And we're kind of a more, like, stripped down. Like, it's really just drums and guitar. But um, I do love that feeling. I love being able to play off of other people. I love the teamwork feel of a band mm-hmm. and how you can kind of, like, lean on each other, support each other. And, you know, it gives you more ideas to bounce off of. So I do love that. Yeah. But I like being able to kind of weave in and out of like, okay, sometimes I'm solo, sometimes I'm with the band. But I do want to eventually, like you asked, have a have a steady band, especially if I were to tour or do anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you play acoustic guitar, right? Yes. So what came first? Did you start playing acoustic guitar and then kind of came to singing? Or when did you start learning guitar well i was singing first Mm -hmm. because you know i say i started singing when i was three and then it's so funny and i like it's i always feel kind of silly crediting this game to like my vocal development but on playstation 2 i don't remember the name there was this little karaoke game it was like a green disc i don't know if anyone listening has ever seen that or played that (laughs) but it was like the words scrolled on the bottom of the screen and i was four or five using this game to sing and I learned all these songs like Whitney Houston songs and like all this crazy stuff when I was like four but I actually learned how to read with this game too because I was like hearing the words and watching them scroll on the screen so it like just kind of clicked in my head but I was singing first with all of that and then when I was eight 
So, like, four or five years later, my mom was like, all right, you need to learn guitar because if you're going to sing, you should know how to play an instrument so that you can accompany yourself. So, playing guitar did come after singing for sure. But almost immediately, I started learning to play and sing together. And the first song I learned to play was Big Girls Don't Cry by Fergie. (laughs) And I still play it sometimes because – and I actually say a lot of times when I'm playing, hey, this is the first song that I ever learned to sing and play, so it's very special to me. Because, you know, it is. It, it, it is. And I, I will always remember my guitar teacher being like, okay, this song has three chords in it, G, C, and 9, D. And he's like, you know, you're going you're gonna to go through and do this. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, that was how it all started, really. And I know you come from a musical family, so has there ever been, like, pressure to do music? Or have you always just loved it? I've always loved it, but there's definitely pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's hard because... Okay, think about this. Like, I always say, I'm 23 years old, and I'm a full-time musician. Like, that is crazy. Like, it is crazy. I'm not – like, we can't even really lie. It's crazy. And, I mean, like, I went to the doctor last week, and, like, I don't know if you guys still get this. The doctor's like, oh, what are you doing for work? Or, like, they always ask you that. And, like, the doctor's like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a musician. And, like, I definitely saw, like, the slightest bit of, like, judgment on his face. (laughs) Like, I 100%. Like, he's looking at me like – okay like you know what i mean like how are you paying your copay but like at the same time like no it is wild but with my family not only do they support it but they actually say to me that there's nothing else they would want me to be doing Mm -hmm. which i think is just out of this world it's bizarre so it's it's interesting because it's like saying there's pressure surrounding it it almost makes it sound like it's a negative thing Mm -hmm. but i would say it's the furthest thing from a negative thing i mean they have always believed in me from the time that I was very young till now. And for that, for just for that reason, I put pressure on myself that I want to make it. I want to make them proud. I want to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like they're saying to me, if you don't become a famous singer in the next five years, like you're out of the family. It's not like anything like that. But it's just because of how ridiculously supportive they are and encouraging they come to every single one of my gigs my dad and i work on music together in his studio in our basement like he all the songs that i have out on spotify and everything that's we did that together so it's like just because of all of that all the family history that we have with music it's like i just feel almost like it's on my shoulders to make it all mean something yeah it's not necessarily that they're putting that pressure on me but it's just because of how they are towards me i i feel that pressure on myself that's a beautiful thing that they're super supportive i mean i know like i with my mom like all of her children have been very like creative and artistic minded but she's always been like if you're gonna want to pursue a creative field you also have to have like a backup plan yeah you know that's normally what you hear yeah yeah and it's like okay like yeah that's smart you know but it's also sometimes it's like well, I can't put all of my energy into this one thing, you know? Exactly. And I feel like you, Tyler, probably experiences that, too. Like, you're also pretty – all of your jobs are music-related. Yeah. Um, and so uh, – and your mom is so incredibly supportive. But also oh, yeah. you have people being like, oh, like, is this going to pay the bills? Because with any art career, it's like, if I don't get this gig, am I going to pay the bills? Absolutely. Or, you know, so it's definitely hard. Um, how do you balance those, like, internal thoughts? 
you know, of like, because an artistic uh, career is kind of like not guaranteed. Of course. Well, something that I always feel that I can kind of, if I need to, I guess fall back on in a way is teaching Mm -hmm. because I do love teaching. And for a while I was working as a guitar teacher um, and I really did love it. I mean, I only, the only reason that I really left that, well, to be quite honest, there was a little bit of issues with, um, I guess, management, you could say. But other than that, I mean, I also left because I did want to kind of give this thing my all, you know. One thing, I don't know, Tyler, if you feel like this as a musician, but it's like, I feel almost like our age is kind of like a ticking time bomb as far as, like, what we can do. You know what I mean? And also, I really am not – are you a musician too, Maggie? Um, I play, like, campfire songs. Oh, well, well, then you are. To me, that means you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but you don't work in the music field or – I – I'm a dancer, so I work in, like, the dance field. That's gotcha. kind of my creative outlet. That's still, I mean, that's yeah. definitely related. Same, yeah. same thing, yeah. pretty much. That's related. Well, then, to- you can relate to this, too, then. Yeah. I mean, don't you feel like our age is kind of, like, there's all this pressure that society puts on us. Like, if we don't achieve this by, I guess, at, you know, maybe the time we're 30 or 35 or 40, whatever, that, like, we're screwed, basically. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'm not saying I believe it's true, but I feel like, we just hear that and feel that all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, everybody brings up, like, Tina Turner, mm-hmm. and I guess Lizzo's a new one now because she was, like, in her early 30s when she made it. And there's, you know, there's exceptions, but oh, I feel that, you know? Yeah. So it's hard. That is a negative thought I have, but I also feel like right now the reason that I really just want to pursue this is I'm 23, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to just give it everything I have right now yeah. because I feel like if I do have a good chance, I guess – now might be the best chance I have, you know? Also, I think, like, this time in our lives is, like, the time we should experiment with every dream we could possibly have, you know? Because, say, 10, 15 years down the line, when if we have families and we have a house and this and that, it's like, okay, I don't have all of this time to dedicate and try to market myself and this and that, so... If you have the time, you know, this is definitely the time to do that. Absolutely, before all the other responsibilities mm-hmm. come in, I know. Yeah. It's 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 a, it's a wild ride and that's and it's hard. I mean, as far as where to go next, I always do you ever feel like you struggle with like what what is the exact next step to get where I want? Like, do you ever feel yeah. like it's just like not even like you're at a crossroad with two different lanes, but it's almost like there's like 50 or 100 different things you could try to do and you're just like what is the right path here and you feel like if you wander down one wrong road like you you could be screwed or that i already wandered down a wrong road before and am i already screwed like (laughs) it's i don't know do you guys feel like that and there's also sometimes i felt like that yeah there's also luck that i see like in a lot of like popular artists you know i'm like did they just get lucky? Like, obviously, they're talented, but, like, I know so many other musicians that are just as talented, so, like, Absolutely. why are they not as well, popular, you know? And I hate to say it, but if you look into a lot of them, they have an uncle mm-hmm. or a, a dad or yeah. somebody in the industry that gave them that hand up, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why, I honestly, on the topic of Nepos, like, I do get so frustrated because you hear them say, oh, it's even harder for us because... Mm-hmm. Because we have to really prove ourselves. But it's like, 
I'm sorry, like, you know, like Willow and Jaden Smith, it was not harder for you than it is for somebody off the street, you know. And, yeah. You know, and I hate to, like, sound like a hater, but come on. Like, yeah. that's just so tone deaf, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like Chris Jenner saying, I forgot I had a condo in Beverly Hills. Did you guys hear about that? <laughs> I yeah. Know. She goes, I forgot I had a condo in Beverly Hills. Oops, how funny. Ha, 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 ha. How tone deaf, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> exactly. I know, I know. Man, this industry. But, yeah, because I see, like, with his band it's like um like they're doing everything that they can you know but it's like how are they going to you know like they want to make it big and of course or every band wants to it's like what do you have to do and i'm always like okay you gotta go on tiktok and you gotta keep posting on tiktok because i've found so many artists that like I've watched, like, a few of their videos. I don't have TikTok anymore. But when I used to, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I found this artist. And then they blow up on TikTok, and now they're, like, the biggest thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, can I ask? It's totally fine if you don't want to talk about it, but why did you delete it? Is it just too overwhelming? Oh, I yeah. was on, like, my, um, I, I just found that, like, all of my free time, like, if I had a second of free time, I'd be, like, scrolling. Interesting. And I did, I was like, okay, there's pros and cons. Like, I have found, I love hiking and all that stuff. I found so many beautiful, like, places to go. And even, like, food places I've found. Like, it's exposed me to a lot of, like, things I wouldn't have found prior. But at the same time, I'm like, it's, I feel like all of my downtime, I'm just on this app when, like, if I didn't have it, I would be doing maybe more productive things. Yeah, and I feel that. I mean, on the topic of TikTok, mm-hmm. it's interesting because like you said about Tyler's band, you guys got to post on TikTok. Yeah. And I have found the opposite issue with myself and TikTok where I find myself not even wanting to go on the app anymore because mm-hmm. I put so much pressure on myself mm-hmm. for so long to post, 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 post. Yeah. Because I was like, that's the, I felt like the only way to get anywhere. And I will say in the earlier days of TikTok, like 2020, beginning of the pandemic, I was doing pretty okay on TikTok. A lot of people were because of how new it was. And, mm-hmm. and during the pandemic, a bunch of new people joined on and it kind of had this new organic growth that it's it kind of is losing at this point now. Mm-hmm. And I, I early in the pandemic, I got up to 26,000 TikTok followers. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like this could be something big. And then once people started like going back to work and life started coming back to normal again, abruptly like my growth completely stopped and i have been at 26k for the past three years Mm -hmm. so it just got so disheartening and like my posts used to get between 5,000 10,000 views on average which i thought was pretty it was better than any other platform i had going on now i'm lucky if i get like a thousand views on a video i'm lucky if i get even 500 views on a video Mm -hmm. sometimes and it's like it just made me feel like i hated the app and Another thing, I don't know if other musicians listening or if you guys can relate to this, but it's like, I feel like being a musician on social media is very hard Mm -hmm. because the algorithm thinks that because you're a musician, you only want to see other musicians. Mm -hmm. And so when, and I do want to see other musicians, but I also want to see, you know, Spirited Away Mm -hmm. or like, I want to see like the new stuff about Tears of the Kingdom coming out Mm -hmm. or like, you know, I have other things I want to look at. So sometimes I fall into this rabbit hole when I go on, you know, TikTok, Instagram Reels, whatever, and I'm scrolling through and I see, 
oh, my friend, you know, whoever that I met three years ago, look, at she's doing so good now. She has 50,000 followers and her videos have thousands and thousands of likes. And I'm happy for her, but then it makes me compare myself to her and go, well, then I'm, I'm, I'm fucked, basically. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I must have missed the boat. Or if yeah. she got this many, there's no way I'm going to get this many. And it gets me into this toxic comparison mentality. Mm-hmm. And I don't like how my brain gets when I go on those apps. Because my For You pages are all just seeing basically how much better everyone else is doing than me sometimes. And it's, it's, it can be disheartening. So it yeah. makes me just not even want to go on. It's not fun for me. Like, yeah. I never see anything fun anymore. I just see, you know, amazing people who are doing amazing things. And it makes me feel bad about myself. Yeah. So I have a hard time posting them. Yeah. I think that's really hard, especially if you know and you're surrounded by different musicians. Like, it's hard to be supportive, you know, but also, like feel in a way jealous or just that like what are they doing that I could be doing or like why are they getting that platform and I know you have so many musician friends can you talk a little bit about your experience with maybe those feelings oh yeah um so yeah I have many basically all my friends are musicians yeah so I've like throughout school and also I went to school of rock as well like um in high school like, I had, like, a little, like, cover band, kind of. But we never really played out, but we just kind of, like, played in my basement for fun. Yeah. So, with them, like, um, we would learn songs, and, like, there was always, like, a little bit of judgment and stuff off of them. Like, if, like, we weren't able to learn all the same stuff, we didn't like all the same stuff. In School of Rock, it was kind of the same, but it was more, like, categories. Because it was, like, oh, like, there's, like, the pop kids there's like the rock kids yeah. the metal kids and it's like um sometimes like if you try like doing stuff like anything else the ones that are like like i'm i'm like all over the place with like genres and stuff but like i would say like my roots are like classic rock and metal so like if i try to do like pop stuff a lot of the pop people would like judge me saying like oh like you're behind mm. on this like you're not on our level you're not like the same or if I'm trying to do pop stuff, and like my rock friends are like, like why are you doing that? We don't like that music. Oh, uh, I I understand that. I understand that. I I've actually, you know, obviously I won't like give give a name, but there was someone that I met, you know, in in the Lehigh Valley um, at one of the places that I play, and you know he works there, and he's also a musician, and we've talked and everything, and then we were messaging on Instagram, and he was like, <clears throat> excuse me. He was like, we should get together and try to work on some music or something. And I was like, okay, yeah. And we're messaging on Instagram about the kind of music we want to do. And then this guy goes, by the way, I think that your voice is way too good to be playing four chord songs. And I, to me personally, that felt a little bit pretentious. I was like, there's a, to me, there's nothing wrong with the song being four chords. In fact, I think some of the greatest songs of all time are three yeah. or four chords or, you know, whatever. And, and Most of the greatest songs of all time are the same four chords, too. Yes, I know. And I, I really don't think that intricacy translates to an amazing song. I, I mean, sure, there are some amazing songs that are complex and whatever, but I don't think that that's necessary. And it just kind of came across as a little bit like music snobby to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I'm like, I'm like, with all due respect, I really don't agree, you know, and, and this guy's like, you need, you need to learn more jazz, you need to sing this, you need to learn these progressions, you need to blah, 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 and we ended up just kind of like, stop messaging each other, and we didn't end up getting together to collaborate, because I was just like, 
I understand what you mean by that. Like your your rock friends being like, why are you doing pop? Like it's almost like somebody mm. that I met being like, why are you singing this? Because I don't respect this type of music. Yeah. Or, And I feel like that it's all – the music industry is already so difficult, like you said, Maggie, to like sometimes to be supportive because we're all kind of like vying for the same thing. And it's like that is extra negativity that like we just don't need. You yeah. know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that's, if that's crazy for me to say or what. No, but, yeah. yeah. And also one thing that I've come across a lot too is um, my friends comparing me to other people, but they'll like find like an Instagram video of like somebody playing drums and they'll be like, can you play this? And I'm like, physically, yeah, but like I wouldn't spend the time to like learn that because that's not what I play. Yes, thank you. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Like if somebody sends me, like to be honest with you, I am a rhythm guitarist, like I never really, when I was younger, I I wasn't, I mean, I love rock. I love, like, crazy guitar solos and things like mm-hmm. that. Like, if you think, like, just off the top of my head, like, a popular one that everyone would know, like, the Sweet Child of Mine, like, solo and oh, everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to play that. Could I learn? Could I spend, like, three or four days all day, like, just, like, drilling in and doing that? Yes, I could. But, like you said, that's not my genre. And, like, I understand that. I understand that so much. And sometimes it's almost like people try to make you feel like less than in a way for not knowing how to do certain things. And it's just like, it's not that I don't want to get out of my comfort zone, but it's like, it's already hard enough as a musician, especially when it comes like, like we said, marketing yourself online. And sometimes I feel like I barely have time to play music for fun anyway. So it's like, if I do have that extra time, like I'm not going to do it just to impress you, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody that, you know, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I totally yeah. feel you. I totally it's, it's feel you. It's a very long time to learn how to play for myself and not for other people. Yes. I'm still learning that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard because, like, we've kind of talked about before, like, if a group likes something, you know, and it's, you know it's going to be successful, um, it's hard choosing to do something else that might not be as successful. Um, and I have a random question for you kind of regarding that. Um, if you were like, when it comes down to like playing music that you know is going to be successful, but maybe you don't like as much personally, Mm. would you rather play that music or, you know, play the music that might not get you big and give you like the huge platform, but it's really personal and you love it? That's a very good question. It's, that's something that honestly to this day, I, (laughs) I flip flop in my head a lot. Now, somebody that I think about who I think kind of took that and made a perfect 180 with it is Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. I think Taylor Swift never really wanted to be a country singer, but I think that she knew that that was the kind of music that was going to get her big. And Mm -hmm. I think that she rode that train for, I don't know, what was it, three, four or five years. And then once she grew that platform, all of a sudden she completely switched what she was doing. And she started doing pop, and some people were pissed. But then some people were like, okay. And then look at her today. She's doing, like, totally different music yeah. from when she first started. So to be honest with you, I would love to, to sit here and say, I'm never going to play something I don't love. But if I'm being completely honest, I don't know that that's true because I think that I have this dream. I have one life. I have one chance to make it happen and if I had an opportunity to do something that maybe I wasn't a hundred percent in love with 
for a couple of years, but it would give me a chance to build the platform so then I could do what I want to do in front of more people than mm. I could have ever done. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I wouldn't at least consider it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a perfectly good answer, and I would probably feel the same way if I was in your shoes. Um, yeah. So how are you marketing yourself as a solo artist? I'm sure that's really difficult, and we talk about <laughs> social media. And we've talked about, like, the struggles of social media. So do you think, have you been relying on social media or um, just more, like, community-based outreach? Mm. Well, when you say, how am I marketing myself? I will honestly say not enough. Um, And, I mean, I do use social media. Again, not enough. And we kind of talked about TikTok and everything earlier. Just it's hard for me to go on those apps. Um, I, I always wish that I was born in the 80s and I was trying to do this like at this age in the 90s before the internet I'm always so envious but it's a double-edged sword because nowadays we have the internet so it's like we have the potential to reach more people than ever before but at the same time so does everybody else so it's so congested it's so crowded so you know the way I try to market myself is simply posting a video of myself singing but oftentimes that is not enough to keep people from scrolling to the next video Mm -hmm. of a cute little duck and cat becoming friends or whatever you know it's not enough i feel like i struggle coming up with hooks i struggle coming up with catchy things or creating stakes at the beginning of the video all Mm -hmm. you know i i've gone on and watched all the so-called experts and what they think that people should do to hook an audience in the beginning of the video and it's it's difficult to translate with music Mm -hmm. it's difficult to create these these crazy scenarios like say you know i i had a couple videos that that have done well on instagram reels the one time i I put the caption watch me win over this audience in under 30 seconds and that video got to like ten thousand instagram reel views which isn't viral by any means but it's better than my other stuff but it's like Mm -hmm. i can't do that every video you know and so it's I struggle. So a lot of times I'll just post a video of myself singing and I'll get a very modest, you know, 15 likes and 30 views or something like that. And, and to me, I then the negative side of my brain says, well, what's the point? Why are you even posting that? But then I say, no, you got to at least try. You got to do it. But then I think I should be spending my time coming up with something more creative or something more interesting. And it's difficult. Um also, you know, I'll just simply post online, hey, I'm going to be playing at this venue at this time, this date. I'd love to see some of you guys come out. And sometimes that'll draw out an extra five or ten people, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or sometimes it won't. But at least I, I put it out there. I definitely feel like there's more I could be doing. I guess it's back to that analogy of the crossroads. Not necessarily two roads, but dozens or thousands and Mm. i don't know what i could be doing a bunch of different things i could dress up in a chicken suit and start Mm -hmm. singing and maybe that would make people watch Mm -hmm. but then am i cheapening myself for that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i feel like it's to me what feels authentic is to simply sit there and sing but it's hard to get people to want to spend their time on their phone you know while they're on the, the toilet or on their lunch break or whatever watching that because if they're going to listen to people sing, they'd probably rather listen to Dua Lipa or somebody they already know. So it's difficult. I guess I I would say I'm marketing myself definitely not well, Mm -hmm. but to the best of my ability currently. But then again, I was thinking maybe I should be in a marketing class or I should go take a night class at NCC and learn how to do social media better or something. But I don't know. It sucks that nowadays, like, 
it's not the the art that speaks it's like you have to play the algorithm oh my god (laughs) that word is like poison in my veins Mm -hmm. the algorithm i it should be a song the (laughs) algorithm yeah talking about songs so you also make original music and so what's that process like for you and when do you start kind of writing your own songs well, I wrote my first song when I was 10. It's not a song that's released anywhere, but it was called oh, was Keep It Real. It was called Keep It Real, and I sang it at the middle school talent show. Um, so I really have been writing songs, I guess, for over a decade now, which I've never said out loud, and that's terrifying. But um, the process is always a little different. Sometimes I'll start out just with my guitar or at the piano, and I'll just come up with a chord progression, and then I'll hear a melody, and then I'll add lyrics, or... Sometimes I get a good lyric idea. I'll jot it down on my notes app on my phone, and then I'll build something around that. Sometimes my dad will come up with a beat in the studio, and he'll say, hey, listen to this. Do you have any ideas around this? Or sometimes um, some of my other collaborating partners, like I mentioned Kevin and BD earlier, the guys I'm playing at Music, Music Fest with this year, they'll give me something. Like It'll be like a drum and guitar line, and they'll be like, can you come up with something with this? So I think that's a good thing is that I'm used to writing in different ways. Sometimes it's my own idea and sometimes it's working off of other people's ideas. But I will say don't necessarily have a consistent process, you know. But I do work well with deadlines. So if I say to myself, I'm meeting with these guys tomorrow. I don't have anything. I'm going to lock myself in the room and I need to come out of here with something in two hours. I will do a lot better with that than just giving myself free reign whenever, yeah. you know? I feel like with some people, it could go either way with that. I feel like some people, yeah. if you give them, like, a deadline, that'll kind of make them freak out and, like, put out something that feels forced. And other people are always work really good with that. And then that'll make them work harder. And then they'll get out something really good. Yeah. I need a little fear. Like, I need I need those stakes. Like, I mean, I, in school, I was that person that would, like, write my papers and everything the, literally the night before, like, midnight, pull an all-nighter and write it. And I would always get A's. Like, I would get great grades. So I'm used to that feeling of trying to put out something good mm-hmm. under pressure. And that probably has to do with the fact that, you know, I, I have my own motivational issues and things like that. But, you know, that – Sometimes I'll just sit down and write a good song with no pressure, but then that's usually just for me. Yeah. So it's different, you know, and I definitely go through my droughts of writer's block, Mm -hmm. and I have hard times, but then honestly I'll go to my boyfriend, David, and I'll be like, you know, he's not a musician, but he's written poetry and things like that, so sometimes I'll be like, hey, like, what do you think of this lyric? And then he'll give me something and be like, oh, instead of saying this, why don't you try this? And I'll be like, oh, I really like that, and then that'll send me – so, you know, I'll ask the people around me for for ideas, too. Yeah. So You mentioned how some, some songs you just write for yourself. So if you're writing a song, are you writing it thinking like, oh, this group, this audience is going to like it? Or is it, do the lyrics mean something to you? Is there a story behind your songs? Or is it just like whatever is going to get people up to dance? Mm, see, there's almost always a story with mm-hmm. me. I mean, a lot of, even the songs I have out now – I always find myself drawn to that more cryptic style of lyricism where the lyrics can kind of be interpreted in different ways. And upon the first listen, you might not think it's really saying anything, but if you really analyze it, like I always wanted my lyrics to be like, you know that website Rap Genius where you click on the lyrics and then it gives you like the story meaning more behind like 
always wanted that. Like, I've always wanted to be like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. I've always loved dissecting songs, like, when I was younger to this day. Um, again, like, I, I am a self-proclaimed Swifty. Taylor Swift does that beautifully with all of her songs. So I, there always is a story for me. I always need there to be a story. I try not to think in terms of will the audience like this because they say, you know, I don't really know who the they is, but, you know, you hear that it's better to write songs for yourself and not really worry about what other people will think and then you'll attract the right audience. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are times where I think I, I need to write something upbeat. I've written too many ballads and I need there to be some variety and then I'll kind of be a little looser with the lyrics and it doesn't need to be deep. Mm -hmm. It can be more like, you know, Let's go up and party dance, da, 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 da. you know, just just because it's more about the sound of the song, but yeah. it's it all depends. I all in all, I like for there to be a story. Yeah, I'm a very big fan of uh, when there's like stories deeper than the initial wording of the song. Yes. Um, I don't know if you know that this band, but there's a band called a band called Tool. I've heard of Tool. I don't really. I've never listened to them though. They're like they're very interesting. They're, I would say they're the only band that sound like them. Um, they're kind of like, like progressive, like psychedelic rock, metal, grunge oh, that's cool. kind of. But um, they're very big on like poetic lyrics. Like it can be interpreted in many ways. I love that. And one thing that they do, like um, like you know how like on albums and stuff, a lot of times they'll have like a paper on the inside that has all the lyrics written out. Yes. They don't do that because they want people to mishear the lyrics to interpret it the way that they want to. Interesting. Very, very interesting. But also, like, some of their lyrics are, like, really, really deep. Like, there's um, there's this one song called, uh, it's called Right in Two. It's about, like, how, like, people and civilizations will always want to split things and take a portion of it. But then when they split it and take their portion of it, it's less of what it was originally that's cool i like that concept and yeah. um this one like uh it's not the exact verse but uh generally what it says it says in the, in the song um like talking monkeys fighting over uh pieces of the ground yeah, it's like talking that. about like, like politics yeah. and like war and stuff like that that's so cool because you really could think about that in any way yeah. i just thought of like fight like i thought about it as like fighting over like a guy or a girl in a relationship setting yeah. or but politics is cool too yeah. or yeah there's there's another line in the song where it says like give them free will and, and thumbs and they'll like beat their brothers down with like clubs and stuff like that well, that's talking about us <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah but um yeah it's like really cool it's like kind of saying like if you take something that is whole like the the piece of the ground part Let's say there's like countries and stuff. If they go to war and end up like splitting like something in half, like a country in half, now they both have their own country, but it's half of what it was originally. Yeah, it's kind of like like that. Kind of like what's happening to us right now in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting hearing songs that aren't just about heartbreaks and stuff like that. I I try my best mm -hmm. to kind of write more than that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because. I feel like there's so, I mean, there are so many songs about relationships, yeah. you know. I have a song called Too Late um, that is kind of about the world and I get not necessarily politics too much. I do have a, a line that says, tell me why the temperature's rising, um, bad bitches dying, politicians lying. And like, 
when I say like the bad bitch is dying, like it, I have like a lyric video and I put like like fish and stuff because it's just like talking about like the, like all the animals is like bad bitches, like you know what I mean, and like they're dying, like mm-hmm. so I mean I like to write about different things like that too. Yeah. Um, definitely, I feel like mental health is becoming more talked about, and mm-hmm. I am hearing more about about that. Um, I don't know if you guys know Bo Burnham. Yes. Yeah. yeah of course. I, I love him so much. I actually want to get a tattoo of, like, I don't know what yet, but something from inside. Mm. Um, You guys have probably seen that Netflix special then. Mm. Oh, my God. It's just, he really, he, like, I feel like he just changed the game as far as, like, he wrote a whole thing about mental health. And, like, the song, That Funny Feeling, I feel like it's our generation's We Didn't Start the Fire Mm -hmm. in a way. And it's just, like. It, that honestly is like a huge I carry it with me every day that whole soundtrack and it's just I don't know it, it just it makes me feel like maybe music is headed into a different direction where we can talk about more things and sing about yeah. more things you know I think that's really important especially since like if you like your music can spread like across the world you know and so if you're able to push a message um right that comes to my mind is this is america like right when that came out i think that song was like a in my mind was like whoa yes music is like that just told like a whole story you know oh my god like, yeah i mean i love musicals and like every Me too. obviously like those soundtracks tell like a huge story and all this stuff um but like not many like modern pop songs have that much storytelling and like that much like the message coming across um, but yeah, I love music that also has like a deeper meaning and could teach people who are listening. Oh my God, yeah. See, I, I love musicals too, yeah. and I honestly, those are the lyrics in musicals are mm-hmm. inspire me a lot. I mean, I did theater in high school, yeah. and I still listen to musical soundtracks, and yeah, I mean, there's always a lesson to be learned. There's yeah. always it's it, they're so I feel like musical composers are so clever mm-hmm. in their lyricism and like. I mean, like, Lin-Manuel, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, he's a huge inspiration of mine, too. So, I don't know. I, I really do want to be free as far as writing about different topics. So, Can you talk a bit about your inspirations? Absolutely. And even just, like, what's the music you listen to, like, when you're all alone? And what's the music you kind of want to emulate when you're writing? Well, I mentioned Whitney Houston. I mean... If I picture, like, who I want to be, like, I see myself wanting to be, like, those, like, kind of, like, classic, like, diva pop stars. Not, like, in personality, but in just, like, the gowns and, like, the ballads. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I lo- like, I, I'm so inspired by Mariah, by Whitney, by Celine Dion, and some of, like, closer to our generation, Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. And as far as, and also Miley Cyrus. I mean... Mm-hmm. I'm being serious. Like, she's a huge inspiration of mine, even yeah. since the Hannah Montana days. Mm-hmm. Like, I've remained a loyal fan to her as she evolved as an artist. Yeah. I love who she, what she's doing and who she is today. Yeah. Um, Songwriting-wise, Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. Also, like, on the male artist side of things, Michael Jackson was always bumping in my house growing up. Um, mm-hmm. Prince. And... I also love, I mean, some older, like, Joni Mitchell. I really love Stevie Nicks. So I am kind of all over the place, all across the board, as far as my inspirations. Um, And I listen to all of them constantly, all the time in my free time when I'm alone. I also try to make an effort to listen to new stuff that I've never heard before. I mean, 
sometimes I'll say just kind of randomly, like today I'm going to listen to like the top 100 billboard in India right now. Like even like seriously, I do. Or like in like the Middle East right now, or I'll listen to like the top 100 in like the the Spanish charts right now, just because I want to hear what's happening. Because you're right, like music can spread around the world and I feel like you can only learn from from different genres. I sometimes mm-hmm. will even listen to the top 100 country, even though I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I'm not a country fan. I just mm-hmm. didn't grow up listening to it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've found a new appreciation for it as I've gotten older. I also will sometimes check out like an artist I've never really given the proper attention to. Like my boyfriend David listened to a lot of classic rock growing up. So like great white and like the outfield and things like that. Like, Bands that I've never given the proper attention, I'll start feeling like I'm catching up with now. And I listen to a lot of 90s, like that kind of um, like grunge rock. Like um, obviously, like we all know Nirvana, but mm-hmm. then like Alice in Chains or like even like a couple. I mean, Oasis isn't really like grunge, but that kind of like alt rock feel. So mm-hmm. honestly, I truly try to listen to everything. Yeah. And even if it's not something that I immediately am like, this is my jam. I try to stick around a little while longer, and I will usually be like, okay, I can, I can appreciate this. I can mm-hmm. see what the, what's good about it. That's what I'm really bad at. Within the first like ten seconds, I know if I like a song. Or really? I like a song, so I'm like, all right, skip, skip. I, I'm very good at like uh, listening yeah. to new music. Like I just, I don't believe in bad music. No, no, I don't either. Like when I when I think about it, like even if there's a song that I wouldn't necessarily play on my own free time. I know somebody out there will. Right. So I try to listen to it like they would. Absolutely. I think about the things like, what would somebody else like about the song? And that makes you start appreciating it more. Yes. I, I 100% agree. I mean, because I I mean, I love my dad, but he's always been kind of like, he loves one style of music. Like, he loves his Prince. He loves his Holland Oates. He loves his Michael Jackson. He loves The Weeknd. That's like an water artist. And that's like, he loves that synth poppy, like, kind mm-hmm. of blah, blah, blah sound. But, like, I've always been like, I really want to appreciate more. Like, I listen to, like, Bob Dylan. Like, you know, I don't necessarily love his voice, as not many people do, but his songwriting is amazing. Or, you know, I'll listen to... I, like just I'll go on um on Apple Music's new artist and I'll listen to somebody I don't even know mm-hmm. and I'll be like okay like I, I dig this or rap like I'll listen to some like mm-hmm. hip hop and rap sometimes and be like okay wow like they're, what they're saying is is incredible or like oh I, I love the the piano in the background or whatever so I think it's important to try your best to just to branch out and like you said Tyler just listen from a different perspective sometimes if it's yeah. not immediately what clicks with you mm-hmm. So out of all the shows you've done, is there one or two that stand out as being like, that was my favorite show I've ever done? Definitely. So I performed with, I'll give you one with a band and a solo one, because that's kind of two different ends of the Mm -hmm. spectrum. I performed with the Audiophiles in August of 2022, so this past August, at the Wooden Match, and that was where we had the thousand people come. And that was such an awesome show. I mean, we built up to that for so long, knowing how big it was going to be. And it was then even bigger than we thought. And it was, oh, it was just so much excitement. It was electric. People were so into it. And it was it was just so much fun. 
so much fun. And I mean, that was singing a lot of rock music, which was kind of new-ish to me at the time, singing and performing in that style. And I just mm-hmm. embodied it like down to what I wore, to like the hair flipping and like everything. Like I just, I just like felt like I was like a character that night, like just like a rock and roll character. And there's, I still sometimes will watch the videos and be like, ah, like I want, I want to do this again, you know? Like that was, oh, that was amazing. And um. On the singer-songwriter, I mean, I loved the Levitt performance that I did a few weeks ago because I had everyone's attention, you know, kind of talking about not being that background noise sort of thing. But mm-hmm. I will say probably my favorite was actually at Music Fest last year. I performed on the Maid Street stage, and that was when um, that – well, I guess I can call her my fan because she knew my songs mm-hmm. – um, and she sang along with my one song, Make Me Stay, while I was singing. And I, it was like, I almost had to like stop what I was doing and be like, and I think I actually said when the song was done, I was just like, oh my God, you sang along. Like I just looked at her and I'm like, you sang me. Like, that's crazy. I mean, that's burned in my mind. So just yeah. for that reason alone, I'll say that was probably my favorite solo performance. And after doing so many shows, do you experience any stage fright still? I will say, you know, honestly, yeah. Because I, it, it would, it depends though. If I'm playing at a place I played a million times, like a bar or restaurant where I play once or twice a month, I will usually not be nervous because it, it feels so comfortable to me at that point. I've been there a million times. I know a lot of the same regulars that go, and it kind of feels almost like playing at home to me because I've been there so often. But if I'm singing somewhere where I do have everyone's attention and at least for a period of time, I am kind of like the main attraction of what's going on. Then I do get nervous because to be quite honest, I'm not really used to that all the time. I maybe am lucky if I get three or four shows like that a year where people are there specifically to sit down, look at me and listen to me. That doesn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. So though I'm singing in front of people all the time, I'm not usually their focus, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, I do get stage fright, but it's not necessarily in the stage fright of like, oh my God, I don't feel like I can go on and be in front of these people. It's more so fear of boring them or fear of not captivating their attention the way that I want to. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, it's like, I know what I can do and I'm worried that I'm going to be a little stiff or I'm not going to let my voice come out the way I want it to and that these people are not going to leave with the impression of me that I want them to have. So it's almost like fear of not having enough control over the situation rather than fear of being on stage. Yeah. But I do kind of get that. Yeah. And I think, like, (laughs) like if you have people coming to see you that, like, or there's people who go to see you because – they want they know you and you're like oh my gosh like i want to see this person on stage and of course they're gonna be like so happy to see you and like we go see our friends like perform all over the place and it's like oh my gosh like they're performing you know um and then you stay for that but getting someone who doesn't know you to stay it's hard it's hard yeah i know it well i will say at that at the levitt reveal two sundays ago um they had me singing while people were walking in, and they said, you can sing as people walk out. And I was like, I made it my own little personal goal. I'm like, I want to make some people stick around because I'm like, I just want that. And you know what? Not everyone did, but there were some people that I didn't know who did stick around to hear me sing another half an hour when they could have left at the end wow. of the ceremony. And that, to me, was a win. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. very grateful for them to stay, and I was like, okay, I must be doing something right here. 
some people stuck around. So, you know, I just try to, to take whatever little wins I can get, you know. So when you have, like, a big show coming up, um, either solo or with a band, what's the rehearsal process and time like that you spend in order to prepare for that show? Well, to be honest with you, if I'm doing a solo show, most of the rehearsal time is a lot of more preparation as far as, like, what songs am I going to do and what order am I going to sing them in? Like, I've done little research on energy curves and things like that and, like, you know, like, all right, should I do three upbeat songs and then a slow one or then – or whatever. I, it's a lot of time into the actual set list because a lot of these songs I've sang so many times. And it's – I don't think I need that much time to rehearse it over and over and over again. Sometimes I feel like that can actually be worse because they'll tire my voice out or mm-hmm. I'll overthink it. So a lot of it is, like, kind of into the details of, okay – what am I going to wear? Like, as silly as that might sound, it I really take it seriously what I'm going to wear to shows because cause I feel like that con- conveys a lot to people about, you know, your image and everything. But I think about what am I going to wear? What order am I going to do the songs in? I will sing through the set list a few times as far as that rehearsal process, but not anything super crazy. Like, I'm not singing all day, every day, rehearsing for big shows because I've put a lot of work in over the years with these songs. So it's like... It's a lot of just more preparation and details. Am I going to bring my sign? Am I going to bring business cards? Am I going to bring merch? Am, and, and and it's also reaching out to people, making sure they know that the show is happening. That's And that's also true about bands. But with the band, there's a lot more rehearsal that goes on because there's more moving parts and everybody needs to be together. So, you know, when the audiophiles and I have done shows together in the past, we would meet once a week at least, rehearsing for three or four hours at a time. And... We would just have our set list, you know, okay, let's we're going to go over this song, this song, this on this song. And if we mess up or we feel that we're kind of sliding apart a little bit in the middle of a song, we stop, we say, okay, let's go back and fix this. You know, nothing too, too atypical, but we've also talked a little bit about, okay, what are we all going to wear, you know? I, I, I don't know. I love talking about, like, the fashion stuff. Cause yeah. it, it's part of the fun for me is, yeah. is dressing up and, and, you know. We've but, talked about it before, yeah. how, like, I find it so annoying when like I'll go see like a not annoying but like funny that if I go see like a show or whatever and like someone just comes out in like uh sweatshorts oh no oh no yeah (laughs) moment like if I'm ever on stage I'm like glam yes yes just people think differently I guess oh yeah no, I, I've definitely gone the opposite way, and sometimes I've overdressed, and I know, like, I just feel the vibe that I've overdressed a little bit. Like, not on on a stage, but if I'm singing at, like, a bar, sometimes I know I've dressed up just a little bit too much yeah. because I feel like, what's the rule? Is it, like, 20%? You should dress, like, 20% better or 10% better than you, mm-hmm. than you think you should for something. I've heard something uh-huh. like that, but there's definitely times where I'm like, okay, I could have dressed this down a little bit, yeah. but... I always want to go it's, all out. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's and also I feel like you just like have more confidence like that. Definitely. You know. I know. Like with me, I'll take any chance to dress to the nines. Yes, you know, so, it's fun. Yeah, and like with his band, his band's the only one I've seen. Like they have a dress code, and like um, it makes them definitely stand apart or from other bands. You know. Yes. Everyone looks uniform. Um, and then you have people come on, no hate or anything, but when they're just in, like, 
gym clothes. They look they're going camping or something. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, it, yeah. Makes, it makes it feel like Campy. I'm going to grab this guitar. I'm going to play. Right. Play right, right, right. Me personally, I think that shorts should be banned from <laughs> the stage. From the stage, yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless you're wearing them like over a pair of like fishnets and you got like a chain or something. Yeah, like, yeah. like I've definitely taken a little pair of shorts and made them work with a whole mm-hmm. outfit. But if you're just mm-hmm. wearing like cargo shorts or something, yeah. like, yeah. girl, no. Some slides. No. I've seen people in slides? <laughs> that should be illegal. Yeah. <laughs> no. <Hey. laughs> I know we're hating a little bit. But that's yeah. okay. We're not calling anyone out specifically. I mean, I know it's no. all about the music. Or it should be about the music, but like as more of a viewer than like a musician, I appreciate people who you know. You got to make them believe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got you got to tell the story in all ways. Yeah. Use everything to your exactly. advantage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to shout out some up and coming projects you might have? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am releasing a song called Way Back Home at the end of this month. Well, not the end, but May 19th. And it is about uh, an issue. I mentioned a little bit earlier how I used to be a music teacher. It's a little bit of, like just kind of in between the lines about the conflict that happened with that relationship. So without calling anyone up, mm-hmm. kind of some tea in that song, um, Way Back Home. So that'll be interesting. I am... If you want to check out where I'm performing next, you guys can go to my website, MelodyCruise.com, click on events, and you'll see everywhere that I'm playing in Lehigh Valley through the end of this year. And you can check out my Spotify and on social media. I'm at Melody Cruise Sings on all platforms. Perfect. We'll have to check you out. Definitely you're playing Music Fest, you said, this year? Yes, I'm playing Music I don't know why I didn't like shout that out specifically. But yeah, I am. Let me, oh my goodness, I should know my dates off the top of my head. I'm a bad girl. Do you know what stage you're playing at Music Fest? Or yes. Tell you? Okay. I do. Okay, so I am playing at the Liederplatz stage Saturday, August 5th. And that is with Kevin and BD. That will be more of a band setting. So I believe we build it under Melody Cruise Trio. And then I'm also playing the following day on the Main Street stage. That's a solo performance, and that is from 5 to 6 p.m. And, yeah. All right. So um, you mentioned Kevin and BD. Yes. How would you meet them? They played at Music Fest last year. Do you know them? Yeah, Kevin was my uh, original drum teacher. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm okay, so I met them at Music Fest last year. They were playing the Main Street stage. They were, I think they were the set after me. So they watched me play for a little bit. And then I was breaking down while they were setting up and we were chatting. And they were like, oh, you're great. You know, I was like, oh, I can't wait to see you guys. And then I watched them play. They were playing with this girl, Lalisa. She's amazing, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we gave each other our cards and we just kind of kept in, ch- in touch. And then we've been meeting and collaborating and writing some songs together. So it's it's been great. That's crazy. He was your drum teacher. Yeah. And uh, see, that was last year that you met them. Yeah, in August. I think I, I watched them too. So we were in the same. We were vicinity. there. How crazy is that? That's funny. I'm sure we'll see you at Music Fest this year too. Yeah, oh, that'll be awesome. Is your band playing? Not at Music Fest, but we're playing some shows locally. Um, we're playing a show next. Yeah. Is it Thursday, the 18th? Yeah, we're playing a show next Thursday, the 18th, at the Flying V. I might, I should be able to make it out to that. It's like a, a poutine mm. place. Yeah, I know the Flying Bee. 
Oh my god, I'm totally going. I'm totally crashing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. This of course. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, ready to wrap it up? Yep. All right. See you guys. <laughs>